Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. The steal by Iverson, posting it! He won it! He won the game! Be there to say absolutely no! Free from Scott! Yeah! Do you love this game? Back up in your earpiece, it is the Sixers Talk podcast brought to you by Wilmington University. Wilmu Works, Danny Pommel's The Boy Slash, a.k.a. Ben Barry, pro ho- co-host, producer extraordinaire. Uh, we appreciate you joining us. I am rocking, for those of you who cannot see, the Angelo's Pizza hoodie today because I want to bring attention to a cool promotion that they're having, Ben, because you like to eat um, with uh, Alan Horowitz, the 76ers, six man. I had an article up on the website. You can check it out there on NBCSportsPhiladelphia.com. But basically, they're selling a specialty, the six-man pizza. So if you call up and order the six-man, Alan Horowitz will donate $1.76 to Philly Youth Basketball of every pizza sold. So he's coming out of his pocket to, to man, you got to look at the story on the website. This delicious uh, half it's sweet Italian sausage, half pepperoni pizza with the basil and the Parmesan and the finishing cheese. You know, the you've seen the Angelo's deal. You, you know, it's super good. Um, so, yeah, you can go and check them out. Shameless plug. I'm not above it. I mean, <laughs> OK, um, pizza is no, better than Ben Simmons jump shot. It's a good cause. Well, Ben Simmons jump shot. Look at you. Look, at, That's a good segue because here we are again. <laughs> embroiled in Ben's off-season workout videos because Clutch Sports put out an Instagram uh, slideshow, and the next to last picture in that slideshow was Ben Simmons shooting that left-handed jump shot over another NBA player. It was a Suns rookie who a lot of people don't know. Uh, but I think that when I th- think about looking at that jump shot, the first thing that came to my mind is here we go again. Because Sixers fans are out here trying to see. I mean, it's great to know that he's healthy and back competing after he had knee surgery, you know, which prematurely ended his season. He wasn't available for the Sixers playoff run, as we all know. So it's good to see him back out there healthy primarily. But here we go again with this offseason shooting jumpers and showing this part of his game that he won't show on NBA courts. Is it fool's gold? Is progress here? Is 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 do you see some some next steps happening with Ben Simmons? Fool's goal means someone has to buy in on it. I don't think anyone from the city is buying in on it. Nobody, so it be, nobody. Who? I just pulled I just pulled up the Instagram post and I see okay Ben Shem, Ben's shooting threes. This is actually a high five emoji, not prayer. A lot of people don't know that, but high five two high five emojis. Then after that, it was like not falling for it. You know damn right. Yeah, don't read the comments. Three. You do it. Don't read the comments. No. <laughs> Yo, it's so like, who's buying in on this? Who's buying in on this? I'm, I'm not falling. I never fell for it before, but I'm definitely not falling for it now. A lot of people can do things in practice or a pickup game they can't do when what, the TV what is cameras the are Break on. Break it down for me, though. Is that really what it is? 
I mean, it took him. You know, I wrote an article about this on NBC Sports It took him 172 games to wet his first NBA three pointer, and it was all net. It looked great. The rhythm and smoothness of the jumper, you can't debate. He catched in the corner. He caught it in the corner. He drilled it, and it looked great. And then, you but know, about, here we are. What about the threes before that when the shot clock was running down? He had to just throw something up. And I, That's not even worth talking about. I mean, I, I just feel like I mean, he, it, it clearly just is. We're ta- it clearly is. We're talking about all this. No, I just he, don't feel like those other threes are worth talking about. When he got one you know, a catch and shoot three wide open in the corner. It, it, it looked great. It looked like a three that anybody could shoot. And and there's plenty of video of him shooting threes and taking jumpers when he was in high school in Montverde with D'Angelo Russell, but it wasn't I, a million people watching then either. Yeah. And I think that's part <laughs> of the thing. We talked about this. I mean, we really have talked about this ad nauseum. Yeah. I think the reason he doesn't shoot him is, an ego thing like he doesn't want to look bad in front of people that's that's my perception of it the coaches have begged him and here we are though with doc rivers even with the coaches and the fan base begging ben to shoot doc rivers is on record as saying that he doesn't he think it's that big a deal as it is to everyone else for ben shooting threes he doesn't care where the points come from from the team he's worried about the team scoring in general so it doesn't matter where who scores as long as the team scoring is up and he is accentuating pace as well. So I, I would think more opportunities come when you're you're pushing in transition. You know, Ben pulling up for a three or or squaring up for a three could be something that that could be a regular happening with, with with the way that Doc Rivers is trying to push the pace. I hear what Doc says and premise. It sounds nice. It sounds good. It's up there. Like, why can't we all just get along? It sounds good in theory, but. <laughs> It doesn't actually work. It's not practical. Yes, it's not that important that Ben shoots threes if that's not his game. The problem is, is if Joel's being doubled down in the corner and down in the block or the shot clock's running down and Ben has the ball at the top of the key or anywhere and teams are daring to shoot and he passes it to Tobias or Richardson Matisse who has two seconds to get up a clean shot when the defender's dra- draped all over him. That's the problem. And I know Doc wants to push the pace. And, again, nice in theory, but can you push the pace when your big man has conditioning issues, stamina, endurance? So a lot of what Doc says is sounds great surface values on the surface. And once you start digging a little deeper and picking at it, it starts to fall apart. Now, if you can get Joel – to play 45 minutes a game without br- heavy breathing and look like his body's going to break down, great. If the Ben starts hitting jump shots or if he figures out how to play and not pass the ball when the shot clock's winding down to someone that has a defender draped over him, great. But the team needs to work on those two things. Yeah, think- blank period. Doc definitely is trying to alleviate some pressure off Ben by saying that in this in this opening press conference. Like, hey, it's not that big a deal to me. Uh, I, I just work. I just care about team scoring. Like, he's obviously trying to like lessen the blow, you know, tamper everything down to make sure that you know it's not an issue of of source of embroilment between him and Ben or any of that stuff. So he's definitely trying to be the cooler in the situation. Um, 
But, I mean, listen, man, if you're an NBA player, and, and, and like you said, like I said, we said, Ben cares about his image. So it, he knows people say this about him. He hears it. He's active in, uh, in certain ways on social media. Um, his sister is very active. She gets in the back and forth or has in the past with people about her brother. So I, I know he knows what people say about him. He's been asked about it, you know, so many times. I think at this point, it's just like, a take it or leave it situation, man. Like, like you said, like people aren't paying attention to it because they've been fooled in the past. Like it's just a take or leave it situation. So it's more or less like if he does it great, that's going to really uh, accentuate and create spacing and awesome, uh, you know, opportunities for the 76ers. But if he doesn't, and you kind of just have to know, like expectation is almost that you have to think that he's not going to shoot it. And then if he does, it's like a pleasant surprise. So the problem with that is, I guess this is putting other standards on him that may or may not be fair. If you're not going to work at your game, if he's cool with being that, that's great. That's better than 90% of the people that I think he does to be work at it, though. He, he does before no. games. He works at it in practice. He just doesn't shoot it in the cool. game. Clearly not hard enough then. When MJ, I'm not saying he's going to be the next MJ. I know it's unfair to compare to MJ. When MJ came in the league, people criticized his mid-range jumper. When LeBron, he didn't have a low post game. He started working on his low post game. Like you, Kawhi, he couldn't shoot for anything when he first came in the league, but he worked at it. And now it, he's not Clay or Steph or Dame Lillard, but you're, you're not going to give him an open mid-range or a three. You work on what you're not great at. With you on TV, me in the audio space, if you want to be among the best, the best of the best, you work on your weaknesses until they become your strength. Maybe he's shooting before games. Maybe he's shooting after games. It doesn't matter if it's not being implemented in real time when it matters. Hey, dreams come into reach at Wilmington University. There's a local university that's ready to bring your dreams into reach. It's Wilmington University. WilmU helps working adults reach their career goals through accredited and affordable degrees and certificates to reach new heights in your field. WilmU works. Find out why at wilmu.edu. Hey, whatever the case, it is Doc Rivers' issue now. He's the one that's got to figure it out. And, and that really is a great way to get into our next topic because... That, that's one of the myriad of things they're asking Doc Rivers to help figure out. They're paying this guy north of uh, $40 million with incentives over these five years that could push that even further. There's a great insightful piece by uh, CNBC sports business reporter Jabari Young, where he, um, he was on the uh, introductory uh, Doc Rivers press conference, asked him a question about how you know, he interacts with players and accountability and things like that. That's in the piece, which I thought was interesting considering the press conference was a few weeks ago, but that was a part of his piece. So it, it just gave, gave me some insight in the, the how long he's been working on this and, and putting it together. So the piece came out yesterday and in the piece, he talks to NBA insiders and executives, uh, some on the record, some off the record, um, you know, because of, uh, uh, privacy issues they wanted to you know not be anonymous or what have you so uh we, we've seen this a thousand times and, and we know that's pe how people get their sources so in in the article though uh 
they put this title on Doc Rivers, these executives and insiders of a chief performance officer, just really accentuating the fact that when you look at what Doc Rivers is being asked to do with the 76ers, it's not uncommon to things that he's done in the past for other franchises like the Celtics and the Clippers when they were coming out of turmoil or upheaval or needed a little settling and he came in and was the cooler in that situation. And here with the 76ers, they're coming off a failed arena bid for Penn's landing. They're coming off, you know, uh, the, the um, negative publicity from asking people to take furloughs at the start of the pandemic and then retracting that because people really cried, you know, you know, were upset at what they were doing because of the fact that they're also trying to buy other organizations and putting in bids for the Mets, but asking their employees to take furloughs. He's also here trying to, you know, smooth things out for the process as well as coming off of burner gate with Brian Colangelo. So all those things they're asking him to do to kind of put forth this winning product on the court, which can take people's minds off of all of that other nonsense. Are you buying this whole chief performance officer and doc rivers kind of being the person who can come in and he celebrated a birthday the other day, happy birthday to him. And it can come in and kind of smooth this thing out. Happy birthday, doc. Happy belated birthday. Doc has done some solid things in his career, whether it's helping the Clippers navigate the Donald Sterling racial remarks, right, right. voice tapings, helping Steve Ballmer navigate his first couple of years in the NBA. Right. But chief performance officer? I mean, it's a made-up title. Yeah, super made-up. I've worked in some places. I don't want to say the title or the place because people might hear this and get upset. I worked with some people that have made-up titles, and you sit there and think like, <laughs> Yo, what does this even mean? You've asked the person, they give you some real generic, long-winded explanation, but right. don't actually say anything. Good for him. I mean, they could have hired someone else for this made-up title. It doesn't matter if they don't win on the court, chief performance officer, operator. It does OG. matter. It does Not matter if they don't win on the court. It doesn't matter. The title doesn't matter if they don't win on the court. Got you. Yeah. Yeah, so um, it really it still comes down to the team need to get people shot specialists, people that specialize in three and D, or that can make open jump shots, or at least a guy that's irrationally confident, like J.R. Smith or Deion Waiters, that wants the ball to shoot. They need people that can create. Doc has to adjust. That's been his big criticism in NBA circles and playoffs. He doesn't adjust when his team get curb stomped or slapped around and that's why they lose series all of that is more important than the cpo position that is my first time hearing of it in my 33 years of life over the weekend i don't think it's the whole title thing i'm trying not to get caught up in that i think the 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 way he weaves the story and the point that people are trying to make i think is valid where you're you're in this situation where so many things have happened in the past and you haven't – all these things were, were supposed to get you to a point where you're contending for championships and there's consistent winning and deep playoff runs and suddenly the Sixers are the place where free agents want to come. They build this big old arena. They're trying to build another facility by 2031 when the lease is up. So all these things are in play, but yet the product on the court is still inconsistent and doesn't quite have an identity. So you bring in Doc Rivers – 
who at 59 years old has been around the block, has been a head coach for 21 straight years. And you're asking him to kind of mix the soup, man. You, you want him to the, the seasoning and all the pieces of the chicken, the vegetables, like all that stuff is available, but h- how it all comes together. He, he's kind of the chef cooking it up. So I, I think there's a lot of validity in what they're trying to say, because your doc rivers has the opportunity like with the Clippers coming out of the you know um, Donald Sterling stuff and Steve Ballmer as a new owner and like with the Lakers when they're trying to put this championship team together with Danny Ainge and move on from the Antoine Walker and Paul Pierce era and suddenly like Kevin Garnett opportunity comes along and here comes Ray Allen and the whole bit so I, I feel like yeah he has done it for other franchises in the past in the way that he's helped him get to a winning spot, but right. There's other things that drag down his resume, like losing those three, one leads, like losing, you know, playoff advantages and not getting past the second round in so long. So yes, those things do drag it down, but I think the validity of what rivers is being asked to do speaks volumes. Cause who are you going to bring in and, you know, I, I wanted Ty Lue. I thought he would be the guy because I felt like it, it's a little unfair of what they're asking for, Doc, because it's the front office job to be the front office. It's the coach's job to be the coach. So if you're asking, you know, Ty Lue to make these pieces fit, then that's one thing. But if you're asking him to make the pieces fit, to encourage, you know, uh, Ben and Joel to, to maximize their potential, you're asking him to, you know, you know, smooth out whatever it is when it comes to, you know, inconsistencies on players they're trying to acquire and things like that. That When when the all the, the minutia comes to the surface, they need a lot more than just a head coach. And I think that that's the thing is he serves the – having front office experience in the past, he serves that need of being more than just a coach. So it sounds like to me that everything that Doc has been – put on Doc's plate is a way of out and say, hey, we, see, we fixed the front office. Hey, we got this figured out since Doc is going, he's going to fix the, the Well, we'll get to the front the office court. in a minute for sure because he's he going to fix the front office and I think it's, it's like a it, de facto it, type thing. Like he, yeah. he isn't a part of the front office, but because he has that experience, it's like he's also a part of the machine in that, in that regard where maybe Ty Lu or, you know, um, other guys who are considered Mike D'Antoni or what have you don't have that same aptitude. I hear you. I hear you. Just, man, it's hard for me to get behind this title. When <laughs> don't I let want, the title someone to fix the confuse roster. you. I won't let the title confuse me. This is a smokescreen on the fact that they haven't fixed the roster or the front office that we're about to get into. You know what? Uh, they haven't quite fixed the roster yet. And I don't know if, if Doc Rivers is going to stand pat with what they have and try to use and work with that or what exactly his approach will be. You know, time will tell, of course, but I think one of the things that really stuck out to me from the piece was, you know, obviously the Sixers had a a stellar home record, which really was 
the rug was taken out for them because they had to play in the bubble when they lost that home court advantage, 31 and four at home, you know, best uh, home record in the NBA, but also the most losses on the road in the NBA at 12 and 26. Now in the article, a source, one NBA team staffer that Jabari Young talked to with knowledge of the Sixers affairs said the club lacked focus on the road and the team's traveling party was too big. The staffer called the Sixers unorganized. That's a quote adding the club at too many front office staff with titles, but undefined roles. That is going to be the latter part of that. We're going to talk about in just a minute when we discuss the front office, but listen, man, I, I think, you know, Brett Brown had a great shepherding of the Sixers through the process and the losing and the 10 win seasons, the 19 win seasons. And I think this is where you got to like, cut bait and move on. And they probably held on too long to Brett Brown and should have moved on to a more experienced coach, but like, you know, traveling party too big, you know, that they lack focus on the road, like the lack focus on the road is obvious. So that really doesn't tell me much, but the traveling party too big, that just means that other NBA teams to me are looking at the Sixers like, yo, what's wrong with that? What's, what's so they're poking holes in and what they're trying to do or, or how they appear because it doesn't seem like, it's conducive to winning or success because the traveling part too big means that, you know, maybe family members or people who are unnecessary, like they, they, they more of the focus would come if you trim the fat and, and are just, you know, streamline more. So um, I, I don't, I don't like hearing that about the team because if you're trying to put forth this winning product, but yet other teams can see deficiencies that are glaring, but you don't see them. It's like, it's like a blind spot. I wouldn't go as far to say it's deficiency. Having a large traveling party, I don't know if that helps or helps them win games or lose games or anything. I think it's easy to point out because they lost. It's how when teams lose, people say, oh, there's no chemistry. Well, it's there's gotta, no leadership. It's got to be something. You, you look at no. 12 wins on the road. Like. So if you want to go to the – if it's because of the size of the traveling party, that's not on Brett. That's on someone above Brett. That's on the guy that hired Doc. That's on the front office, the people that make those decisions. So that's another check in the con column on why the front office isn't the front office to take the Sixers to the next level. So we want to put this size of the traveling party and having too many people and all those other things on anybody. It's on the front office. At Nissan, we just made your choice for a new car, an easier one than ever. With our most exciting and fuel-efficient lineup, the choice is yours. Now get great offers across our full line. Shop at your local Nissan store today at NissanUSA.com. Hey, we've been teasing all this front office stuff throughout the podcast. Let's get into it. Um, no, no better place to start than with this quote from this Anonymous source in Jabari Young's article, the staffer called the Sixers unorganized, adding the club had too many front office staff with titles but undefined roles. I agree because, you know, as a, as a sports fan, you know, the front office is often a little muddy, uh, a, a bit of a, a confusing area. It can be because – you don't know who's actually pulling the strings, who's in charge, who to blame, who to ask questions to and get real answers. I think in the past, 
uh, it was like general manager, assistant GM, team president. You kind of understood those things more. There was less analytics involved. So people who weren't necessarily um, basketball minded didn't have as much of a voice. And, and not, not that analytic people aren't basketball minded, but I, I'm, I'm trying to say that, you know, if, if they didn't have as much experience, you know, playing the game or, you know, uh, looking at it from a more traditional perspective, those were the people who had voices. Now it's like a lot more people have voices in the front office is what I'm trying to say. So the Sixers have hired some people. They're trying to figure out this thing. Elton Brand is on record saying that he wants more basketball minds in the front office. So they go out and get Peter Dinwiddie and Prosper Karangwa. Uh, Dinwiddie comes over from the Orlando Magic. Oh, excuse me. Dinwiddie comes over from the Indiana Pacers. Karangwa comes over from the Orlando Magic. But this is the thing that kind of annoys me about the whole thing, if you don't mind me to jump on my soapbox here. Go for it. You got Dinwiddie coming from the Indiana Pacers as the senior vice president of basketball operations. He is now the number two under Elton Brand. And he's leaving the Indiana Pacers as the senior vice president of basketball operations. In order for him to not make a lateral move and to come to the 76ers with a promotion, the Sixers make him the executive vice president of basketball operations. These titles don't mean nothing, man. It's just a bunch of words in front of your name. Senior vice president of basketball, executive vice president of basketball operations. Karangwa, I, I kind of get the, the lineage a little more, the, 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 the order of things, the hierarchy. Like he left as the director of scouting from the Magic, and he's going to be the vice president of player personnel for the Sixers. I think the thing with the Sixers is there were times when they would have vice presidents of a certain title but not have a president of that title or an executive of that title. So in this case, you have uh, Dinwiddie coming over as the senior executive vice president of basketball ops. Alex Rucker had been that title. So he, now that title, I don't know, but was Rucker the number two to Elton Brand though? You see what I'm saying? Rucker had the title, but wasn't the number two to Elton Brand. Now, that title is given to Dinwiddie, who is Elton Brand's number two. So it, it, it just all means nothing. It, it means new voices and people. It, it means something. But the, the titles and all that don't mean anything. It, what, what, what I think Sixers fans should take away is they're trying to fix this front office. Uh, Elton Brand has been on record saying that he wants more basketball minds involved that the group think approach wasn't working and he wants complete control over who comes in and of the front office and the decisions that are made. And that's where we are now. So I think that's the takeaway from the names that are hired and the people that are bringing in and the people that are leaving because we talked about previously, Miguel Oliva was in the front office. Alex Rucker though was staying and being reassigned Oliva leaving to take a job with the Utah Jets. What do you, do you, does it mean something to you? Am I, am I wrong? Do, do you feel something no. differently? You're not wrong at all. I tried to see if any of them went to Duke. That was my first thing that popped <laughs> in my mind. Any of these guys go to Duke. Right now I'm leaning towards no, but I can't have it confirmed. Maybe we need to ask Allah. But Peter, he's worked closely with Larry Brand and Donnie Walsh. I think that 
that puts value in my book. Okay. But to your point about the title, I mean, Brett Brown it. worked with uh, Greg Popovich for 13 years. Like, I, I need more. I, I, I hear you. I hear None you. of them are coming from a championship pedigree. Th- these are upstart guys who, like, I use a director of scouting to a higher position. Um, he comes from the Pacers, does Dimwitty, correct? Uh, Dimwitty was prospect. named Indiana, Indianapolis Business Journal. 40 under 40 list in 2017. That doesn't mean a damn thing to me. Uh, Brian Colangelo was the NBA executive a year and came here and shredded this organization. Was that before he had the giant collars or did he have the giant collars back then? I think think that's been a mainstay uh, in his career. But that's what I'm trying to say, bro. Like, all that stuff doesn't mean anything. How you fit here, the decisions you make now, that's – this is what matters. Your title – Past experience, if it didn't involve a championship, if it didn't involve some serious, you know, uh, sleuthing and, and, you know, Sam Hankey type asset acquirement, then it doesn't mean anything to me, man. I need you to come and show and prove now. You were the director of scouting before. Now we're asking you to try to fix Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid and make this whole thing, Sixers thing, take it to the next level. You used to be the vice president of player personnel or whatever. Now you're the senior executive of that thing. I, I don't care. I, j- I just want you to come in and make it happen, make it work. And, and that's going to start from day one. Like, like if the front office is disjointed and discombobulated, like they have to come in here and convince the fans and show and prove with the product of the organization, what they are and who they are. All that, whatever happened in the past and what your title is, doesn't mean anything. So, no, I agree with you, look, but having won a ring, winning a chip somewhere else doesn't mean anything to me either. Because there's it means something. It don't mean nothing. This, this is why it's something. This is why it doesn't. I mean, Brett has three rings with the Spurs, and that doesn't mean anything to a lot of people. It takes a collectively, there's no one player, coach, assistant, front office personnel is going to get a team, a championship. Someone can ruin it. For everyone else, but I don't think one single, one single person is going to win it for everybody. If, if, if he can ruin it, I think the converse can be true. Uh, well, maybe one person. Well, I, I don't know. I, I think the converse can be true. If if one person can ruin it, then there are guys that can come in and take it to the next level by, you know, having a system that works or seeing something other people don't. One person can come in and help the chances but it still requires everyone else to still do their job. One person can come in, everyone is doing their job and ru- ruin it completely, sink the ship for everyone. Made up titles, Yeah, I mean, I completely yeah. hear, I know this dude, Ben Berry, he has a completely made up title, audio content supervisor. <laughs> Shout out to him. Yo, if you get a made up title, someone's going to hire you for it, respect to you. But as a fan, is, is this the show of made up titles? Chief performance officer, executive vice president of blah, blah, blah. Like, is this it's, the show of made-up so, titles? Made-up titles are hilarious to me. And <laughs> if they're giving them out, good for them. Quick story, tangent. Yeah. After college, uh, after yeah. high school, summer before college, I got a job, as most people do before they leave for college, needed some book money. I was working as a custodian for the school district. When people asked me what I was doing, I said... I was the director of custodial arts. And people oh, just believed. 
<laughs> so it doesn't matter. People won't believe it no matter what it is until things go bad and someone starts asking questions. And these dudes need to form like Voltron, bro. Uh, we, we needed some like-mindedness, some synergy between the front office and the head coach. Uh, we, we need these dummy titles to go away and people who aren't positively affecting the product and you know brett looking at these analytic sheets of who plays when and stuff like that sometimes you just gotta play and get out there and 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 execute and you let your eyes tell you what's happening doug peterson going for two on the first touchdown against the ravens instead of just kicking an extra point because that's what the numbers say like come on man sometimes you just gotta use your brain and 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 execute and now doug should have went for two all right, and that's why you you, you have no idea what you're two. talking about. I, I know exactly what I'm talking about. This is why Doug should have went for two yesterday wow. early on. Because it was more painful when they lost, and it was very hilarious oh, for Lord. me. Here we go. See, that's that's why I don't even fall for this nonsense. Hey, we appreciate you guys, as always, for listening to Sixers Talk, brought to you by Wilmington University, Wilmington Works. Let's hope the Sixers figure this thing out. Uh, for the co-host producer extraordinaire, Mr. Ben Barry, I'm Danny Pommels. We appreciate you listening as always. This has been Sixers Talk. We'll see you next time. Some people just know there's a better way to do things, like bundling your home and auto insurance with Allstate. Or hiring someone to move your piano instead of doing it yourself. So, do things the better way. Bundle home and auto and save up to 25% with Allstate. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.